Hello there. This is Pastors of the Roundtable. You know what? We're just going to go ahead and start uh, because it's been kind of a frustrating thing. I had recorded probably we're getting close to 10 minutes maybe. And I realized that I um, had not pressed the recording button. So we're going to try this again. Um, Tim, do you have anything to say? The last 10 minutes were the best 10 minutes I'd ever heard on this podcast. Yeah, and I hadn't, and I looked down and I'm like, <laughs> not captured. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought there was a bug or something. I did too. I, you kind of freaked me out. Yeah, I was I was like, like, I'm like, what's happening? Yeah, I did too. I was if like, there's a bug there, right, I could deal with the bug. You're not a bug. Yeah, you're not. I'm not a bug. That would have been Scott. He's Scott scared. Scott would have been the freaker outer mm-hmm. about bugs. Are you a bug guy? Bugs don't bother me. Mice bother me. I don't like mice. Yeah, I don't yeah. do mice or snakes. Yeah, I'm not a big snake but fan. Bugs, not, yeah, bugs don't mice really don't bug me. me. Really, you can do mice. Yeah, kill them. My cat's got a what do they call them? A vole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the short. Voles. Yeah, yeah. It's in the garage. Yeah. It's more. I'm like, I'm not. No, I can't do cats. Really? Yeah, <laughs> we just keep them in the garage. We don't got them like cats. I wasn't even. I was in a cat fan, but we got them purely for a you know to to reduce our rodent. Population. <laughs> it works. Did it work? Yes. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> they're really good at it. Yeah. So they don't usually make it into the house once they, once they're coming. They to the say the same about chickens. If you get chickens, you don't have like because it a eliminates lot of bugs, the bugs. Snakes. Yep. They eat snakes. They yep. they do all this. We just got a new batch of chickens. We have six now. Awesome. Just for their eggs. Um, and they're tiny now. I'm like, come on, guys, grow, <laughs> grow, <laughs> grow girls, eat girls, bugs. grow girls. Come on, girls, <laughs> yes. guys. Do you just all let right. them walk in the yard? Yeah, we let them free range. Yeah, they don't typically last more than a year when we do but we do free range them yeah and they but we have never we don't see ticks we don't see hardly any spiders once we do that but we've seen ticks this year already since we Uh-oh. had chickens so we got Uh-oh. chickens you should get some guineas those are always nice to they're have. very annoying though yeah they're oh loud. they are yeah they, they they're loud, loud. <laughs> yeah, we had some when we were kids yeah. but they do eat a lot of bugs mm-hmm. they do they also fly into buildings which is kind of funny because uh, I don't know. I've heard before somebody said their eyesight is so precise that they can see things up really precisely that are small, but they can't see big stuff. I don't know if that's true or not. Because we would have them and they would like run into the building, you know, flying. We have a lot of birds run into our picture window, like in the front of our house. Oh, really? They just die oh, yeah. in the flower bed. <laughs> oh. That happens quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. A bald eagle. Not that big, but like <laughs> robins and all kinds of birds. Bam. I don't know. Especially since we've... Uh, change the inside of our yeah. house i don't know if they can like see from that window to the back do the birds die or do you sometimes there's an episode of everybody loves raymond about this i remember that episode oh, really <laughs> thanksgiving episode where there's a bird that runs into the window yes. and dies and so amy's parents who are supposed to be represented as like the puritanical presbyterians yeah. she's like oh let me go help you and she takes it and they don't realize that she's she's wrung its neck because it's hurt and and the barones are upset they're like what in the world you know, I they, they just it's, it's a very funny episode yeah. actually because uh ray has to act out the part of squanto her mom is like that really soft-spoken yeah. lady yeah oh yeah. yeah 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 we would not want to do that yeah. She's, yeah. Oh, she, what a great show yeah. and she, you know what though she was on the office for yeah. one episode yeah, for a is. couple of as uh what was the girl's name um it was someone's mom wasn't it no she the secretary that takes over for Pam. Yeah. It's, she goes away and lives with this lady. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's takes like, care of her. yeah, it takes care of her. Yeah, and, 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Sorry. So anyway, no, the last that, 10 minutes was That's good. Than... We needed to laugh. We needed to laugh yeah, a little we bit. A little. <laughs> so we've been doing the top 101 theology questions in 2022. Um, this time we are talking about what is the church. I'll summarize some of our discussion that we had before this that was uh, unrecorded. Um, we talked about, and Pastor Dave brought up the fact that um, the word church literally means called out ones. So the church is a gathering of people, um, a gathering around God, around Christ, centered upon him. We also talked about some of the metaphors um, of the church. Um, what were some of those metaphors, those picture metaphors that we see that mm-hmm. describe the church again, this time for the recording purposes? Body. Family. Well, that's not a metaphor. But family but wasn't a yes. metaphor. Family is not a metaphor. Yeah. It is a family. Yes, it, it is a family. family. Body. Priesthood. Yep, a holy priesthood. Nation. Holy nation. Holy nation. Temple. Temple. We are a city um, set on a hill. Um, those are all metaphors um of the church what are some metaphors okay here's something i would like to ask if someone was to say what is the church and there are non-biblical metaphors that are used but you know i guess i'll throw out one and maybe you can think of others some people view the church as basically a uh um, a fortune 500 company that's run by a ceo but that's not what the church is, is it? That's not a metaphor we see in the church. But that's, I think that is a metaphor that some people um, think of the church that way. Is there any other bad metaphors that you can think of for the church that some people will will use that are actually inappropriate? I mean, I think the church can be seen as like just a charity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's simply what it's there for, is to collect money, help the poor, help... Uh, whatever it might be. It usually helps if you don't draw on the paper and actually speak into the microphone. That usually helps <laughs> with recording. Well, at this point, I'm starving. I wanted to eat an hour and a half ago, and we said, be no, con- we're going to do this content. real quick. Be content. <laughs> I'm content being starving. <laughs> with a Jimmy John's gift card in my pocket. Oh. You always love to quote those verses about, I beat my body um, <laughs> to us, and I run the race. But, yeah, but to really discipline yourself, you got to have protein to build muscle. That's why you're going to Jimmy John's just for the protein. Uh, yeah, that's it. Just give me meat. I want some meat. <laughs> I've got a little left on my Panda Express card, so I'm going to probably hit, hit that up on my in my route. Panda Express. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why'd you ask me? Um, I think another one, maybe like a country club, perhaps. Yeah. In some yeah. ways, you know, which can be country clubs can be very cliquish. Right. Very like ingrown, right. if you will. And sometimes I think that people think of the church like, you know, like that. Um, and some churches are like that. But, um, you know, that can be a negative, you know, perception. Right. No, that's a good good one. I think uh, as a venue for entertainment mm. has mm. crept in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's no different than the concert Friday night. It should be the service Sunday morning. And right. What the church does. Right. So that line has been blurred. Hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of ways people see churches. There are some people who see churches as a source of uh, income because they call every week asking for money, asking yeah. you to pay their rent, asking you to get them groceries, true. pay their bills. Yeah, That's how yeah. they view the church, right. a place that needs to give them everything. So, Yeah, there's any number of bad ways 
to view the church, but the church is, is one of the ways I hear now from inside churches is churches are a change change agency for a community. And that is their job. Mm -hmm. Their job is to change the community for the better, to be there for their community. And that's their focus. Uh, Yeah. I see that too. I hear that quite a bit. I hear that from young pastors quite a bit. Right. That's their goal is to change the community. And so, I mean, you hear of churches, you know, that is their mission. What is your mission? We are going to love Jesus and change our community. Hmm. It's like, oh. Hmm. You should have gone into community organizing then. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because I never see Paul saying that. Like, you know what? We're going to change Ephesus for Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, because when he yeah. did change it a little bit, they didn't like that. They didn't like no, it. <laughs> no, no. He never says that in any of his letters. Never talks that way. Um, which is, which is interesting. Um, yeah. So what is, um, the Bible? We talk about the Bible definition. What is the Bible? What is the Bible? Is that a question? No. Coming up. What is the Bible definition of church? Um, we already talked about that. I can't remember if we recorded it. We did not, not record it. We talked about Dave's word here real quick. <laughs> we did record Ecclesia, yeah. but I had brought up the, the passage Exodus 19, where you can see, the people of God gathered at a mountain around God. And that's a helpful visual, I think, of what the church is. So every week when we gather together as the church, um, we're always the people of God, mm-hmm. but it's especially whenever we're gathered together that the church is churching. <laughs> the mm-hmm. church, the gathering is gathered. <laughs> yeah. The gathering is gathered. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the hope at the last day. That's the wonderful thing about the new heavens and the new earth is the, the whole church of all the ages is finally gathered for the, for forever. Mm-hmm. We'll never break apart that gathering. Um, and so each of our local gatherings that we see um, that happen around um, in Monroe and around the world are simply um, manifestations um, of that one true gathering that is ultimately um, going to happen around the throne of God in the new heavens and the new earth forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I've even I've even heard um, some churches talk about the fact that their um, their worship services are heavenly gatherings, trying to emphasize the fact that yeah, that's good. This is a trying to emphasize the heavenly connection with what's going on here. Mm-hmm. We are worshiping down here, but there's worship going on in heaven, and so this is, um, this is a participation in that that spiritual reality, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a reality. Let me ask you this question: Why did God create the church? Well, I think just like you said, I I I think something you know, like reading in the Puritans or you know, just Reformed theology, whatever, you know, like they, they looked at it as the marketplace for the soul. I think one of the Puritans said that. I'm not sure who, which one. But anyway, and I remember, you know, telling, teaching the kids that when they were younger, um, and still to this day, but that the Sabbath day, the Lord's day, is a, is a taste of what is to come. It's a taste of heaven. And so um, that's one of the main, main benefits. It helps us gear up and deal with the daily stresses of life. It gives mm. us a respite from the 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 the, the, the struggles mm. and the grit of life. Yeah, and it is a it is a heavenly. I mean, Hebrews talks about that the heavenly the Sabbath rest. It is a taste of that which is to come. 
And I think if Christians thought about that more, they would probably make it more of a priority right. to be faithful to come to church because it really does help set the tone for the week ahead. Mm. Together with the gathering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You asked why did God create yeah, the, the church. church? Yeah, Paul talks about the church. Paul talks about the church being the bride of Christ and, and that we are being uh, shaped and formed to be beautiful for him, given to him. And so there is an aspect that the church was made and created for the Son of God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, to be presented to him at the end, holy and mm-hmm. righteous. So there's that aspect too. I, I guess I don't think about too much. I've talked about it. <laughs> yeah. I know about it, but being created for a lot of times we think about Jesus as being uh, coming for me, mm-hmm. but not so much the church for mm-hmm. him and his glory. And right. I, yeah. I guess one of the things I, I think about is um, tying this back to the creation fall story where um, the church. So what, why is that? What is the church? Uh, because we have this principle in theology um, where everything that was lost in Adam is regained for us in Christ, the two Adams. So in a sense, I also think about the question, what was lost in Adam that the church is the fulfillment of um, that, that, so how does the church replace what we lost in Adam? And one of the things you see is um, after the fall of mankind, and this is also after the flood, but you see the Tower of Babel. And uh, what happens is, is the people gather together in order to build themselves a tower to heaven, to get to God, to reach God. They come together, but part of the curse that comes upon them is they're scattered. So throughout the Bible, when God confuses the language of people or scatters people or disperses them, that is a sign of God's judgment. Um, similarly, whenever God um, sent Adam and Eve away from the Garden of Eden, from his special place that God had made for them, that is a part of the punishment for sin. And similarly, we see again with uh, Cain, um, part of his punishment, you remember after he sins and kills his brother Abel, the Lord tells him that he will be a fugitive, or I guess Cain says this, I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And so again, part of the punishment is being uh, sent away from the people of God, from the holy family, from Adam and Eve, um, to be dispersed. So the reverse of that is being gathered back with, uh, with God. And so Jesus also uses this analogy of um, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, right? So whenever he dies, he says the sheep will be scattered away, right? Because the shepherd's been struck. But part of the shepherd's job is to bring us back together safely into one fold. So I don't know exactly what all of that means, but I think there is definitely a connection with what we lost in Adam with the scattering judgment of being sent away. And I guess one of the things this does is it shows that sin not only separates us from God, but it separates us from each other. Um, but in Christ, because of his work, we're not only made right with God, but when we're made right with God, we're made right with each other. And you see some of this also in Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul says that 
Jews and Gentiles have been reconciled together to God in one body so that even those divisions that exist horizontally between people are now overcome because of the blood of Christ. So when we're reconciled to God, we're also be able to be reconciled to other people. And the church is a wonderful um, living uh, instance of God's grace in bringing people together with God and with each other. I don't know. That's just kind of what's coming to my mind. Yeah. I thought about as you were talking Isaiah 43 as well, 7. It says, everyone who is called by name, by my name, mm-hmm. who is created for my glory. And so when we ask the question, why did God create the church? He created it for yeah. his glory. Right. Right. Again, we think of our benefits, yeah. which we do have right. in, in the church. And some of what you were talking about mm-hmm. was beneficial for us. Yeah. Being gathered in and having community and having family. Uh, but we have to remember, we God, God didn't need to create in order to be sure. full. Sure. But it says he did create for his glory so he could be glorified. And so that's one of the reasons the church was created was to give him glory. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and I think what you, t- you said about humanity is hopeful too, because it's interesting in the, the early Christians, they would talk about the church being the third human race. They would say there's the, there's the Gentiles and there's the Jews and then there's the Christians, the church, and we are the third. We are the third race, which obviously we're not. It's not a biological race; it's a spiritual race of men, of mankind. And so we are a new humanity um, as well. We're the recreation of humanity in the second Adam. Um, we are humanity as it exists in the second Adam, whereas those who remain lost are humanity still remaining in the first, the first Adam. Um, and such. So why we talked about why did God create the church? These are some of the other questions that people also ask. Um, another question was, we've talked about this somewhat, but how does Paul define the church? Yeah. So some of the things we said, like body. Yeah. Paul refers to the family aspect of the church quite mm-hmm. a bit. The bride part yeah. that I talked Good. about. Yeah. Paul again. Um, but the phrase that uh, we've talked about this a, a lot, I don't, know if it was this podcast or another one but when he refers to the church he says in christ a lot mm-hmm. you who are in christ and that phrase is just so important and what mm-hmm. that means and what that uh what that should be for us like our rallying cry like our our truth is that we come together and you are in christ and i am in christ so then what does that mean what are the ramifications mm. of that and then how we, and how we worship, but how we relate to each other, how we deal with each other, how we handle each other. Uh, that being in Christ is so vital, and it, it's different because you're in Christ and I'm in Christ. I treat you different than I would those outside of Christ who are mm-hmm. not in Christ. There's a different relationship that you and I have, even if we were to go overseas. And now there's people in Christ there. We should have a similar relationship. Because of that being uh, saved uh, and by by God, so uh, that phrase sticks in my in my mind. And Paul talks about that all the time mm-hmm. being in Christ. He appeals to that right with the church as your yeah as the church's identity yeah. and what it is. I think the um, the book of Ephesians is very helpful to understand what the church is because that's really a, a big burden. I think you see in this letter uh, to the Ephesians. 
Paul consistently is trying to help the church understand who they are. So like, yeah, he talks about, you know, he's the head, we're the body. Um, he also makes that, that same, you, you mentioned the, the bride analogy. He uses that when talking to husbands about their relationships with, um, their wives. Um, he talks about the body analogy again and says, um, that, um, God gave the officers to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. So again, using that, that body and metaphor, Mm -hmm. And so throughout the, the book of Ephesians, Paul is hopefully kind of giving us a, a vision, if I can use that word, or a description of what the church is. It's also this reconciled body where Jews and Gentiles are, are brought together. We're a temple, he says there. So there's some, um, uh, you know, he also says that we're, we're saints and members of the household of God. That's the family idea. Mm-hmm. So if you were to go there um, in, a, in the book of Ephesians, you can really understand what Paul thinks of what the church is. And it's very lofty. It's a very um, exalted view of the church, and which is important because sometimes when we look at the church, uh, our, our local churches or stories that we hear about from churches, it doesn't seem very lofty. It seems messed up. Um, it seems dirty, full of sinners, because it is full of sinners. Um, but somehow, some way, God is at work in the midst of all of this mess and sin and frailty to uh, the the life that pulsates through the church, though, is the life of, of the risen Christ. And that's what kind of leads to the next question there is like, why do we need why do we need church in the Bible? And yeah. the church speaks to that or the Bible speaks to that of what you were saying of like the church is a messy place and all this. But it's messy because sinners are in it. And sinners need it, mm-hmm. right? Even those who've been saved by God's grace, they they need it. And you talked about Ephesians, and in Ephesians chapter chapter four, it talks about the fact that God has given the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Why to equip the saints for the work of ministry? Why for the building up of the Christ? We we need each other in this, and God has given us each other, and so that's that's why we have the church as well, is for our sake. Mm-hmm. Because if, if we didn't have that, if it was just all of us on our own, God knows that we would never persevere. We would never make it. We would just we would just wander. We would right. continue to wander. Right. And uh, But no, he's given us uh, pastors. He's given us teachers. He's given us leaders to care for us, to watch over us, but to teach us and to equip us. And then he's given us fellow church members to be there for each other. It even talks about bearing each other's burdens and crying when they cry and having joy when they have joy. And we're, we're there for each other because we have been created needing each other. Um, it goes all the way back. It was not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so even with Adam who was perfect, it wasn't good for him to be alone. So he made a help suitable for him. Right. And it's the same way here in, in church life is we, we need each other. We need each other to balance each other, to be able to to help each other um, as we read the word together of how that applies to our life. Um, we need sometimes to be told, you're wrong, right? Uh, we need sometimes to be encouraged, though. We need to be reminded often, brother, you're in Christ. He died for you. Remember your baptism? Remember, you know, remember what God has done for yeah. you? Get out of the pit. You know, let's go. Stop it. Yes, yeah, stop. Or, or like, you know, we've been talking <laughs> no, about you're right. running a race and yeah. all of this. One of the greatest encouragements in a race is somebody saying, 
keep going. Right. You're almost there. Right. It's up there. Go, right. go, right. go, go. Right. Right. You need that. And uh, sure. God has provided that for us through the, through the church as we have fellow brothers and sisters who love the Lord, who have trusted in the Lord and who are spurring us on and there for us. And, um, and so that's why do we need the church? That's why mm-hmm. I, the Bible speaks so often. We, we need this. And too often, sadly, we see Lone Ranger Christians today. And very rarely have I ever found one of them who have a good theology, who have a good relationship with the Lord because they've been out of the church. Right. And they've went away from the means of which God has given us to grow in him, which Definitely. is the church. And so they can't they can't do it on their own. No. No, I think too, one of the things that we we think about our individual faith, um, which no one can be saved apart from individual trusting in Christ. Mm-hmm. But there's also a corporate faith element to where what do you do when you have doubts? Because you will have doubts. Mm. What do you do when you struggle in your faith? Because you will struggle. Um, What do you do when you wonder, is this real? Or am I real? Or what is, is this? What is this? You need the church because there's also an element of where you let the, you, you kind of, if I can use this phrase, you kind of lean back into the faith of the whole church. It kind of reminds me where, um, you remember that, that crazy, that, that instance where famous part in the Lord of the Rings, where, um, Frodo is carrying the ring. He's got the ring and it's a burden that's weighing him down. And Sam, his best friend can't take the ring from him and carry it. But he says, I can carry you. And that's what the church is. I can't, I can't, um, I can't carry your faith for you, but I can carry you and I can help you. And we're going to keep going. And um, maybe part of the problem is, is for so many of us, if we really understood the difficulties of the Christian life, then we would maybe realize our need for the church more so. But if we don't think the Christian life's that hard, then we're like, you know what, I can do this on my own. Actually, whenever you're faced with troubles in your conscience or in your heart or in your life, then you're forced to suffer. Suffering helps drive us um, to see our need for God's gifts in other people, the church, to carry us along. And also for us to be able to then help and carry other people. Paul uses that analogy, that metaphor uh, where he says, or not a metaphor, but whenever he says in first or second Corinthians, where he says, with the comfort that we have been comforted with, we are now able to comfort other people. So with what God's done in our life, we're now able to use that to strengthen other people and to keep us all running the race together, um, focused on the prize. Yeah, I definitely see in our culture how church has just been watered down. Like I, I do funerals for people who are like are associated with church some, Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I, I like to share at funerals is that God loves you, but God is just. Yeah. He's also a just God. And so I read the passage in Romans that if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, thou, you will be saved. Or Ephesians you know, 2, I'll, I'll quote sometimes. <clears throat> but my what I say sometimes is like, notice it doesn't talk about church attendance is what salvation is. I get more head nods from that, I think, than anything else ever. 
That is interesting, isn't it? Where people are yeah. like, that's right. Amen. It's not. And, and because too often that person hasn't stepped in a church in 30 years, but mm. everybody there wants to say that person is in heaven. Mm. And uh, see, it's not about church. Now, there's much more to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just have a short little time with the family, you know, and I do believe that uh, you don't, there are people probably in heaven who didn't make it to church, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe on their deathbed someone shared the gospel with them and they did believe mm-hmm. and they never stepped foot in a church. And it, it isn't, mm-hmm. it isn't about that attendance or membership or whatever, right. but it's very hard to find scriptural evidence where uh, a person who is a Christian is separated from the church for long periods of time. And that's okay. You never see that. You don't see it. There's not, <laughs> yeah. you can't find, I don't you, think you can't find outside it. of the extraordinary examples of, you know, certain people who yeah. are saved. The guy on the cross. Yeah. Everybody uses the guy on the cross. That, but, I mean, but that's yeah. like a crazy yeah. you know, example. I know, right? I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. Or what I said, deathbed. You know, a pastor gets a chance right. to go to the hospital. Sure. Will you share the gospel with my mom? Sure. sure. And she, yes, I right. believe that. And then dies an hour later. Great. That's, yeah. Yeah. Praise God for that. But you're right. No, you won't find one example no. of no. just somebody just like roaming around, just, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, and that's honestly that should be very convicting to people. It should be to realize that, yeah, like, it doesn't seem to be nowadays. Which is ironic, I guess. And I guess this is the irony: is those same people would think that they're very big Bible people. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Because then, if you would say, "But this is the Word of God," and we yeah. we live our lives on this book, and then the they other would thing say, that's hard for people to uh, church hopping is just so popular. You right. know, it's like. Um, you see on Facebook people advertising different things for churches like, well, this Sunday I'm going to go here because they're doing this. I'm in church, you know, and this Sunday we're here. It's right. like you have a bad definition of church yeah, because it's a, it's a family. Is this how you function your family? It's like, oh, that family over there is doing a barbecue today. I'm going to be their family. <laughs> and then they're going to Cedar Point, so I'm going to be their family. It's like right. we would never talk that. Right. You know? No. It's like, no, I, I do stuff with my family. I mm-hmm. can go hang out with friends. Mm-hmm. They're friends. But this is my family, and it doesn't seem to come across anymore. That happens in our church currently with some things that are just going on. It's like people will be like, I'm going to attend this church now. And you're like, do you understand you've left your family? <laughs> I get what you're saying. Sure. But you've you've divorced yourself from your family. These people who you are supposed to care for and to lift up, you're just abandoning mm-hmm. them. Because you're saying you're going to just go over here for a little bit, or this Sunday you're going to do this, and it's like I'm not saying don't take vacations, right? And stuff, but it's like you don't have a full concept of what the church is and your role right. in it, and then what the church in exchange is doing for you. You know the leadership there who's trying to love you through preaching the word and teaching, and you're just willing to abandon that because you just don't want to go every week. Yeah, I think that's a helpful point because you're not saying that people are doing this for intentionally wrong reasons. No. They're they're doing this with um since for what they believe are sincerely good reasons and not out of a mean spirit mm-hmm. or or things like that. They're doing this because um they they uh, frankly, I guess this is this is just simply what they believe is um healthy church Christian behavior, I suppose. I want to be fair to every, you know, I mean. Because um, like, so like, let's say, uh, Spencer, let's say you go on vacation and you go to a church on Sunday. You take your family to church and you would say, we went to church this morning. Would you view that as the same as coming to Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, how you do each and every week? 
I, I guess the question is know, how do you view? Tough, I know. View? I mean, but like, yeah. I mean, I definitely view. I think there is a um, an element that you see in the New Testament where believers, whenever they give themselves to the Lord, they also give themselves to um, a certain certain local gathering. Um, we call that in Baptist life a church covenant, which our church has one, a church covenant. So maybe you didn't realize that, but as members of our church, we have agreed together to treat each other as family. Not that we're not saying we don't have other spiritual family elsewhere. We don't deny that. But we are saying we've covenanted and agreed, just like marriage is a covenant, you've married this church family to be a part of this church family and to receive the love and care of this church, but also to give love and care to the other members of this congregation. Part of the thing too, I think is um, we see this, this same principle, I think at play, because what we're talking about particularly is um, um, local church versus the vague idea of church. One of the things we see is um, sometimes people will say, well, I want to, um, I want to reach out to people. I want to share the gospel. And you're like, well, are you doing that with your children right now and with the next door neighbor? Um, people like that. I guess what I'm saying is, is sometimes we, st- we start to think about, I'm going to help and spread the gospel. And it's just very vague and nebulous out here. But what we're saying is, no, there's a very practical people right in your next, right, right in your neck of the woods, right here that you're already in contact with, that you can do that. Similarly, so, for instance, I can, as a, as, a, as a husband, I should have a high view of marriage, but I show I have a high view of marriage by being faithful to my one wife, not by being everybody else's husband, right? Similarly, you show your love for the church, not by going around to every other church, but by being dedicated to the one church that you've covenanted with. And I guess there's this misunderstanding of, uh, there's this idea that I, I'll show my dedication to God's people by really being with nobody, by being with everybody. Yeah. Does that make sense what I'm saying, I guess? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of like a different analogy. It's hard to, com- yeah. Like, like if I, let's say I was away at, uh, in, in the military and I'm gone for Christmas. Me and the guys in the bunks, we celebrate Christmas. Well, let's say we even get gifts to get for each other. Sure. And we make dinner. And we have Christmas together, sure. and it's a good time. It's nice. But I wasn't home. Right, right. I wasn't with my family. Like, I appreciate these guys. I, yeah. I probably, I literally put my life on the line for these guys all the time, and they right. do for me. Right, But it's not the same. I mean, yeah, we celebrated Christmas and everything, but uh, I wasn't with, with the people that God has put me together with, mm-hmm. you know? And these might even be brothers and sisters in Christ. Like you said, it's mm-hmm. just... There should be, I think, some sort of a longing for the people that God has put you with uh, in your church family, not just the pastor, who's part of that, absolutely, Mm -hmm. but the people I sit next to and the people who I go and drink coffee with on Sunday morning, you know, in the fellowship hall and we just talk for a little bit, Sure. or the people who brought me dinner when my wife was sick, I miss seeing them. Sure. And, uh, no, what you're, what you're getting at there, Tim is so important, I think, because, um, we talked about before, uh, before when the fake in this recording, I talked about how I've been reading this book, Christendom and Christianity in the middle ages. And if you were to ask them in the 
Middle Ages, what is the church? They would have said the clergy. And what you're saying is, if you go to somebody and say, what is the church? They shouldn't say that church is everything that happens on stage, whether that be the music, the preacher. They should say the church is all those people that I'm with. And what you're talking about is loving a church involves loving the people that make up the church. Mm -hmm. And so if whatever changes on the stage can change, but the church is still the church here. These people are still here. And I'm, I, if I love the church, I love them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm making sense again, but it's like, because I think that's what the middle ages struggle with is they loved that for them, the church was what happens at the altar. Everything that happens on the stage. Mm -hmm. That's what, that's what the church was, the clergy. And the reformation was pushing against that saying, no, 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 we're all part of the church. We're all the gathered uh, people. Yeah, and I just think for, <clears throat> we get so, so when I was growing up, the big push was like to think outside of the church. So like those people who go to that church are your brothers and sisters. And those people who go to that church are your brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And, and that one, and we all love each other and we all care for each other. And there was this idea of to think that my church was good and great and you loved being here was almost bad mm. because it's as, as if you're putting down those people. Right. And so like you can you can get that way sometimes with missions. It's like we need to think outside of ourselves and just give and give and give out. And that's okay, but there's biblically there's this aspect of in. It's like mm-hmm. we care for each other. God has put us together and actually the job of the local pastor is all, is a lot in. Like I'm caring for the members who are in. Sure. And the people here and feeding them, yep. right? And caring for them. Now they're going out and sharing the gospel as they live, like you said. And as people come in, I will care for them. Yep. Because that's what I do as the yep. pastor. Yeah. But it just has been kind of twisted, I think, for good reasons people were going to, mm-hmm. you know, to share. But it almost has given this taste now, I think, to a generation. I would say definitely an older generation at this point. Um, people in their 50s, 60s, maybe even 70s who view the church because of all that talk for so long of like, I can just float around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then they, they are exactly what you said. They're like some guy being like, well, I'm married to her today. I'll be married to her, this other girl next week. I love the institution. Of I marriage. just love marriage. And so I've been <laughs> married 14 times and it's right. like, what? But we'll do that with the church. It's like, Oh right. yeah, I've went to this church and this church and I just love all churches. And it's like that. But you're messing it up the way you're Because doing the problem it. is, too, is I don't know that you really love the church. Because if you love the church, you would be willing to go through the church's difficulties. difficulties. But, but it's like triumphs. you you like you don't really like the church. You like you like that music. You like that pastor. You like this or that. You like the building. You like yeah, the community like outreach they have. Of church because right. I can go to some or the church. influence. Yeah, I can. I can go. You could probably put me in any church that's just not crazy heretical and yeah. bothersome. Sure. And I would leave being like, "What a great church!" Right. Man, these people seem to care about each other. Sure. But if I stay very long, I'm going to realize oh, these people are bums, just like every other church. Right. They all have their problems. But if I'm just going here for a month and then going there for a month or bouncing around between and I'm never really getting involved, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not, then I'm not really a part of that church. It's the same way with the family member, you know, that you have who's never around. Right. They're not there helping, helping grandma, excuse me, my throat did something weird there. <laughs> they're not there helping, you know, they're not there caring, visiting. Right. right. They're off. And while they are a family member, I guess, but they, 
they're not really involved. They don't mm-hmm. know what's what's going on, and um, it's sad to see. But and it's a hard thing to teach against because when you if you were to say something, it comes across as unloving. Right. You right. just don't care about the nations. You or care about or you're churches. selfish. Yeah, or you're just caring about your own little tribe right, right here and trying to build right. it up. And it's, uh, but no, I, I, I just think that's the biblical model for uh, church, and I think we've wandered away from it. And, uh, and it's hurt people. It's hurt people because. And I think too, uh, the positive side of it is people are missing out on the blessings yeah, of being a part of that right. church. It's not simply that you're, you are missing out on um, kind of like, um, you know, sticking it out. If you stick it out in a marriage for 50 years, you're going to go through really good times and you're going to go through really bad times, but actually going through those bad times, you're going to realize that the Lord worked those things out for good purposes in your life, but you're going to miss out on those if you quit when it gets hard. Mm-hmm. And similarly, too, as a church, you're going to miss out on so many blessings by by um, by really not not letting your roots sink down in a church family where you have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really going to miss that, I think, a lot. Yep. And you're also going to miss the opportunity to grow in some of those First uh, um, Corinthians chapter thirteen uh, descriptions of what love is like, being patient. Because if you're, you don't have to be, you can, you don't have to be, you don't have to be. I can go find something else yeah. or kind or long suffering or believing the best about people, mm-hmm. um, going, th- wrestling through those, those, you know, those really bad, um, emotions that our hearts have, um, you're not going to have to battle those as much because you're just going to go find the next thing. Um, so yeah, it's a good reminder what the church is and, and why it's, it's helpful to be a part of it. So, all right, well, why don't we wrap up here? Um, hopefully well next week we'll be at camp um and then after that we should be back to record again so thank you so much take care and god bless